always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Search Sky Broadband to get started. 20 years ago this week, the Irish football team, managed by Mick McCarthy and captained by Roy Keane, set off for Japan and South Korea to take part in the 2002 World Cup Finals. People were so excited for that World Cup. The final whistle sounds. Ireland are on their way to the parties. We can win this time. There was shade given. There was a good defence. Young fellas like Duff and Robbie Keane. The midfield was brilliant. You know, nobody could beat us. No other country celebrates a World Cup like Ireland. And this World Cup should be about music and crack and national celebration. And then suddenly it's like, no, actually, that's not happening. It may well be eventually, but without Roy Keane, not yet. Not after arguably the most dramatic week in the history of Irish sport. So the Republic of Ireland prepare for the opening World Cup game against Cameroon in eight days' time without their inspirational captain. He exits the biggest footballing tournament in the world alone and in disgrace. Any regrets at all? No regrets. Not even about playing in the World Cup? It's more important things to worry about. It's like a kind of almost a mythical story. The public were deeply invested in this Irish team, deeply. Roy Keane said something about where we were as a country. When Roy Keane was sent home from the World Cup, it created a national uproar, inspired a debate about the Irish national character and led to bitter disagreements over who was in the right and who was in the wrong. It's left its mark. And I suspect, Connor, there'll be a young generation now, you know, who are 20 or in their 20s. And what was all that about? Uh, So what you're doing is a service. You're serving history. (laughs) This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Connor Pope. Today, Saipan, 20 years on, part one. The origins of the sporting scandal that divided Ireland. These days, Roy Keane is a pundit. But in the late 1990s and early 2000s, Roy Keane was Ireland's best football player. In fact, he was one of the best footballers in the world. Oh, he was an amazing player football writer and podcaster Ken Early. He was like a great player who put himself at the service of the team, increasingly as his career went on. I mean, he, he used to score a bit more when he was younger. You know, he'd be running into the box a lot. This is Keane, trying to find some room, and he has! He got a bad injury in 1998, which had a major impact on him, professionally, psychologically, in, in every respect. Everyone starts with a sense of physical invulnerability. And then when that's shattered, you sort of, sort of realize, well, hang on, I've, I've actually got limited resources. How do, I, how do I get the most out of myself with what I've actually got left? I think that was, I think Keane started to have those kinds of thoughts, you know, during this long injury layoff. But when he came back, that was the 98-99 season, he had like changed physically. He'd become thinner, like leaner, kind of meaner looking. You know, he'd like, he like he used to have this kind of long, sort of shaggy type of hair. He'd sort of, he, he now had just this shaved head, basically stopped drinking. Super fit, could outrun everyone on the field. You know, that, that had always been a great attribute of his as a player. It's what Brian Clough said to Alex Ferguson. This guy has an engine like you wouldn't believe. He was able to outrun everyone in the field, but also technically really, really good. Like could control any ball and could pass with it with incredible accuracy. So he would pass the ball more times than anybody in the game. And he would miss like three of the passes out of 90. 
that's become a bit more common now as the game generally has changed but in that era of football that was so rare and so having Keane in the team made everybody look better because they're always getting the ball just a half a second earlier and with a in a half a second in a, in a half a meter better position than with a you know an, an inferior player he was one of the greatest players ever to play the game Former footballer and journalist Eamon Dunphy was the ghostwriter of Keane's first autobiography. One of his great qualities was his ability to read a game. And reading a game means understanding, depending on the score and the position your team was in. If you were in front, it required a certain tempo. If you were behind and chasing a game, that required a different kind of tempo. And he had a great instinct for that. So he really was one of the greatest players of all time. He led from the middle of the field by example and by a really uncanny understanding of where any game was at any given moment in it. But that's only really one side of it because the, the other side of it was this, was this incredible charisma. The way that he used to talk, the stuff that he used to say, he was by far the most interesting player at this time. Uh, you know, this, you know, he, he would attack his own sort of supporters. You know, the, the, I don't know if some of these people know how to spell football. At the end of the day, they need to get behind the team. And as I said, away from home, our fans are fantastic. I'd call the hardcore fans, but at home, you know, they'd have a few drinks and probably their prawn sandwiches and they don't realise what's going on out in the pitch. And have a few drinks, maybe the prawn sandwiches. This, this is the kind of stuff that Keane would come out with. You know, he was attacking the, the FAI. I mean, when you look back at it, it was like, well, he was just attacking everybody, really, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, you know, how interesting is that, ultimately, you know, if you're just sort of attacking people? Uh, that's my opinion. Uh, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Uh, some performers haven't been good enough. But at the time, it was like, wow, this guy, like, he, 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 he really was like no other player. Mick McCarthy was also a celebrated player for Ireland. He was part of the team that Jack built, the team that reached the quarter-final of the World Cup in 1990 under manager Jack Charlton. When Jack stepped down in 1996, Mick McCarthy stepped up, taking over as manager. So when Mick McCarthy took over the Ireland team in 1996, Keane and Mick McCarthy hadn't got on from the from the very outset. They'd already had, you know... Had clash with each other. You know, I don't think in any really major way, but I don't think that McCarthy was Keane's favourite person. There's this incident on the, on the bus. The incident on the bus was something that happened years earlier at the 1992 US Cup. Not to be confused with the 1994 USA World Cup. The US Cup was a small, friendly tournament at the end of that season. In Roy's book, which I wrote, he gives a description of that they were on a, a post-season tour. They were all very tired. They didn't want to really be there. Certainly King didn't want to be there. He'd had a very demanding time that season. And I think Roy and a few of the other lads, Steve Staunton, I think, stayed out and had a few jars. As was the purpose of the tour. I mean, that's literally what they were there to do. McCarthy at that stage was a player as well. He didn't seem to approve. And there was a row. Roy told McCarthy, to go away. <laughs> and Mick McCarthy, as the senior player, supposedly he says, you, you know, you call yourself a footballer. And Keane says, you called out a first touch. Cutting Mick straight to the quick by pointing out that he was essentially not a very skilled player. Which is tough to hear when that is in fact your profession. When McCarthy became manager, Ireland had just failed to qualify for the 1996 European Championships. McCarthy then made Keane the captain, I think, as a sort of... Because he understood Keane was the best player. 
Mm. You know, when he, when he came, he came in, he said, mm. you know, you, you're going to be the captain. And Keane repaid this trust by promptly getting sent off in the first Mick McCarthy game, which, if I recall correctly, was a dismal 2 0 or th- maybe 3 0 home defeat to Russia. Uh, and Keane was petulantly sent off at the end. You know, I remember him storming off and you thought, oh, this isn't good. And that entire, that first Mick campaign was a real disaster. And, and it included ideas like Mick playing Roy Keane at centre-back against Iceland, which he, you know, which nobody could really understand. Uh, and then there was the incident with Carl Durvin, who was a sports writer, uh, who was close to Mick at the time, had suggested that fans should make their displeasure known. I can't remember the exact words that he used, but the, but the way that it sort of passed into legend anyway was that he sort of urged the fans to boo Roy Keane at a, at a game at Lansdowne Road. At this point, Keane was an inconsistent member of the Irish squad. In the failed 1996 qualification campaign, he'd played in only three of Ireland's 11 games. Then he missed out on the US Cup that summer, despite being named captain. His time at Ireland hadn't always been great. I think influenced by Alex Ferguson, who had a baleful influence on a lot of the international careers of his players. You know, I can think of, of Ryan Giggs with Wales, particularly, where he sort of was always drilling and saying, this is your priority. This, the club is the priority. He's, you know, he, he had no respect for international football, especially not as played by countries such as Ireland and Wales. You know, what what's, he kind of, he, he let it be known that he considered this to be a waste of time. In Ireland's failed 1998 World Cup campaign, Roy Keane missed some crucial matches due to a severe knee injury. But he came back to captain the team to within a whisker of qualification for the Euros in 2000. Four minutes into injury time, the luck of the Irish deserted them as Goran Stavreski headed a shattering equaliser. Then Ireland kind of came really close to qualifying for Euro 2000. You know, we, we seemed suddenly to be better than we'd been in the previous couple of campaigns. There were signs of like this team could be coming together. And we only missed out in the last minute against Macedonia. Or so it was, it was, we were so close. And the Euro 2000 was an incredible tournament. Maybe the last great football tournament, looking back on it, it was, it was a brilliant summer of football. Anyone watching it could not have, any, any player watching it could not have failed to think, oh, I, like, I wish I was playing in this. And I kind of, I wonder mm. how much of it Keane saw. But when he came back to play for Ireland in that next qualifying campaign, it was, it, he he really had a kind of a sense of seriousness about it, which didn't seem to have been there before. This is my team. Uh, I think we're good enough to do it. Now let's go out there and do it. And, you know, we'll play in the World Cup. They had a brilliant qualifying campaign. I mean, probably one of the best ever. Mary Hannigan is a sports writer for the Irish Times. They'd been drawn in a group with Portugal and the Netherlands, so it was a grim draw, and I'm not sure there was a huge amount of confidence because you had to top the group to qualify automatically. But they had a brilliant campaign. They went through it unbeaten, uh, drew home and away with Portugal, Luis Vigo and all, uh, drew away to the Dutch and then very famously beat the Dutch. What kind of form was Roy Keane in in that qualifying campaign? He was outstanding. Incredible form. He started off in brilliant form and just sustained it all the way through. Which I think led to a lot of the frenzy about him coming home from from the World Cup because there was a notion that without him, this was, you know, a fairly ordinary team that they really, really needed him there. Louis George and it's a throw to Ireland. Take it quickly. Here's Keane. 
the one that kind of stood out was that day against the Dutch. He was outstanding and very famously clattered Mark over Mars in the first seconds of the game in a welcome to Dublin kind of way. I remember watching at the time and thinking, oh no, he's he's got himself sent off in the first minute. You know, like, what has he done? Like, this is, this is a disaster. It's all boiled. And then, of course, the ref just sort of said, oh, you know, well, don't do it again, son. The brutality of it, the impact of it, sent a message to the Netherlands. This is what you're in for, guys. And they said, holy fuck, what's this? This is it, lads. Welcome to Lansdowne Road. So that ultimately knocked the Dutch out and put Ireland level on points of Portugal, but behind a goal difference. But in that moment of triumph, the body language between Roy Keane and Mick McCarthy suggested something was deeply wrong. You might have seen the photo. Mick McCarthy reaching out to shake Roy Keane's hand, a shirtless Keane staring straight ahead, marching towards the tunnel, barely looking back to shake his manager's hand. It's something I've never really been able to understand myself, actually. How could Keane in that moment have found in himself to do that? <laughs> you know, it's remarkable. What did he do? Well, just the face on it, the, 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 the way that you see this, this, the photograph captures it brilliantly better than, I mean, in the footage you can't really see, but the photograph just captures this moment where Keane is just, it's just such a display of contempt towards McCarthy, who's sort of, who's leaning over almost with this slightly apologetic, like awkward look on his face as he shakes the hand of the captain of his team. He's just delivered this incredible performance and this unbelievable result. The whole place is celebrating. And, you know, Ireland are, think we're going to go to the World Cup now. And he, would, would you not, even in that moment, just be able to go, oh yeah, Mick, you know, <laughs> like just look at him as you shake his hand sort of thing. But instead it was just this now, and now I'm going to take this moment just to show, just to demonstrate my contempt for you. It was an odd, it was an odd thing. And something which I didn't really understand at the time. What's, what's, where's the bad feeling from? I still don't understand it. You know, I think, I think it was a bit, I think it's a bit perverse of Roy Keane, really, in a moment like that to to do that. I mean, it's, you know, I'm saying I understand the man, <laughs> you know, he's a mystery. Um, mm. Where where he was finding these kinds of reserves of emotional energy, I don't know. Sometimes maybe he was tapping into some pretty dark places, you know, to to really find that energy in games. But it, it always just seems as a stretch. Surely, in, you know, in the moment of, I mean, what's the quote? This team spirit is an illusion glimpsed in the moment of victory. You know, it's, uh, and that was, you know, you think if there was any moment when <laughs> it would have been just able to sort of play nice, that would have been it. But I have to say, I, d- I didn't really get the impression that this, that there was this bubbling under kind of ready to explode um, situation between Keenan McCarthy. Uh, like a, a a personal dislike, maybe, you know, a lack of real respect, mm. possibly. I mean, the thing is that Keane sort of towered above not only McCarthy, but everyone else in the team at that point in terms of his professional standing, his achievements, the titles that he'd won, the status that he had in the English game at that time as the captain of the best team in England and you know, at that time, one of the very best in Europe. So he was just so far above everybody else, you know, and and I'm sure McCarthy also felt that awkwardness. When the group stage ended, Ireland still needed to win two playoff games against Iran to reach their first international tournament since 1994. Those games took place in November 2001. Which 
kind of is the start of the Saipan story now. There, there would have been bad blood between Mick and Roy in the years before, but this kind of, yeah, this kick-started, I think, the whole thing. So Roy played in the first leg in Dublin, which Ireland won, but then missed the second leg um, through injury. So now, you know, he has been accused of not being overly keen on travelling to Tehran, but the truth we may never know. But that blew up later in Saipan when the two of them went at each other. You know, he's not fit enough to play the game. Okay, people would, I guess, just have accepted that. You know, it's unfortunate we wish, wish he was there. In terms of how it was, how that was greeted in the in the actual uh, squad, you know, whether there was scepticism about it, I'm not sure. Mick McCarthy clearly did feel a bit sceptical about it, as we were to find out, but only later. Mm. That f- fed into the Saipan problem, because ultimately it was Keane, you know, deciding to protect himself for club football. You know, deciding to you know, I've I've got, I've got to manage this injury. I can't I can't play in that second leg um, against Iran. That you know, sort of was sowing mm. the seeds for the for the blow up. And that was really because of of years of brainwashing by Ferguson. This has got to be your priority. This has got to be your priority. Keane talking about it later said, "Well, I thought I thought the game was under control," which I feel is a bit, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Like I was at that game in Iran. And that was like, <laughs> that was a close run thing, you know. When the final whistle went, you know, the, the way that the players reacted was as though they just, oh, you know, we, we made it like as though they had been expecting to lose, you know. And then they, it was as though we've, we finally, we've done it. And there was this just explosion of like joy and relief or whatever. So you could see that they felt this was really on edge. And Keane obviously wasn't there, wasn't sort of with them at this moment. Mm-hmm. Here in your eye, an unusual thing that for yeah. Mick McCarthy. Hard man's gone soft there. What do you expect? We've worked a long time. Wonderful group of players. Fabulous staff. I think they deserve it. They, de- they deserve it. As much, if not more, than me. Before the Irish team departed for the World Cup in Japan and Korea, there was time for one last Roy Keane controversy. This time involving his teammate, Niall Quinn. Quinn played his club football for Sunderland, where he'd become a bit of a legend. At the end of the 2002 season, a few weeks before the World Cup, the club had held a testimonial match in his honour. Now, testimonial games, where the player gets to keep the proceeds of the ticket sales, are traditionally awarded to a player after 10 years of service. Quinn hadn't been at Sunderland 10 years, he'd only been there 7 years. But he said if he could have a testimonial, he'd give the proceeds to charity. Roy was invited to play because they, was, he had a, an international 11 or something. Roy Keane, at that stage, had a very bad injury. So he was struggling. He was struggling to be fit, and he couldn't go and play in the testimonial. And a big story, a series of big stories in the British tabloids said, Keane snubs charity. It was deeply wrong. It was deeply unfair. And there was a suspicion about who might have leaked that. And so he was raging. I remember that they were in the Champions League semi-finals against Leverkusen. And Leverkusen obviously are a team that Manchester United are expecting to beat in order to go to the final of the Champions League. The final was in Glasgow, which was Alex Ferguson's hometown. The fans have been singing all year about how United are going to Glasgow. This was a song that was sung at every game. And so the whole season had been sort of leading up to this. And Roy Keane got a hamstring injury, and quite a bad one, as I recall. 
right as the season is approaching its climax. And so he eventually managed to sort of struggle back playing the game against Leverkusen. It wasn't sort of at his best. Leverkusen knocked Manchester United out of the Champions League, denying Alex Ferguson his homecoming. United finished the season trophyless, winning nothing for the first time in years. Good players don't necessarily make a good team. And, um, you know, we've not done the business. It's as simple as that. People can say all they want. You know, um, Arsenal are favourites now for the league. Uh, obviously, performance against Middlesbrough knocked us out of the cup. Performance last week on our European Cup. And so what I think was happening then was Keane knew that he was actually far short of his maximum peak fitness that he kind of was beginning to feel this is getting on top of me I'm kind of falling apart under the not not under this pressure such but physically and so this is playing into the key the Quinn thing Quinn's testimonial this is a game I definitely don't need to be involved in like I, I always feel as though the, the kind of physical frailty is kind of the big undercurrent here which is playing into why Keane was apparently in such a foul humour uh, heading out to the World Cup. A few days after the Quinn testimonial, on Friday, May 17th, Keane and the Irish squad departed for the World Cup. Roy wasn't in the best of moods, but that kind of wasn't all that unusual. So I'm not sure, you know, there would people would have blinked too much at that. At the time, I don't think anyone really saw, certainly didn't see what, what came. Ireland's group games would take place in Japan, but the team didn't go to Japan first. Instead, they flew to Saipan, a small island in the Pacific Ocean, for a training camp. The name Saipan would soon become an infamous one in Irish sporting history. It was a shambles. The jaw was roughly floor level. Oh my God, you know, he's actually leaving. The story continues on Monday. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon, Suzanne Brennan and Jennifer Ryan. Never suffer the buffer again. Always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Whether you're streaming on the sofa, gaming in the bedroom, or swiping in the bathroom. Hey, get out of here! I said swiping. You'll never be without it. Switch your home to 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Availability subject to location requires Sky Broadband Ultrafast. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. 99.9% reliability based on time our broadband network works across our base.